Hello friends, and welcome to Backstory. I'm your host, Alex Roberts. Quick note before we get started, I'm going to be a special guest at Breakout Con this year in Toronto, Ontario, March 16th through the 18th. If you can make it out, I would love to see you there. I'm going to be running sessions of the soon-to-be-kickstarted Tension. I will also be speaking on some panels, including one on Romance in Games with your friend and mine, James D'Amato. And I will also be teaming up with Sarah Richardson once again for a very special zine-making workshop. Breakout is a terrific convention, whether you're into board games, card games, RPGs, LARPs. I had a wonderful time last year, and from everything that I've been hearing, I think this year is going to be even better. So today's episode features game designer, community organizer, and ace librarian Kate Hill. If I've ever recommended that you start running LARPs for your local friends, this is the episode I should have been able to provide to you. Kate's been crafting a local community for about a year now, and I recently had the chance to visit them and see what it looks like and how it feels to be in a very kind of concentrated community of folks who play together and care about each other and demonstrate that in very tangible ways. Anyway, I don't want to get too much into it because we really do a deep dive in this episode. I think you're going to love it. But the more that I looked into it, I really wish that I'd had you on months ago because A, I didn't realize that you were part of the hashtag resistance anthology and also that the uh, deadline for submissions is like tomorrow. No, I'm going to say we are, that's our first round of submissions. So we're asking for like first rounds, but we're going to probably have another round because we feel like we maybe need to do a better better job promoting it. We'll see, but we do want to, we think that we're going to probably have another round that is going to happen. We're not quite sure yet, but probably sometime soon after or a bit after Living Games in May, because we feel like Living Games is one of our probably target main target audiences for this anthology so so keep if you have really cool ideas keep them in mind <laughs> <laughs> okay that's really good to know I, f- I feel way better and look you are promoting it you're you're on the podcast circuit for our listeners who don't know can you can you tell them about the anthology yeah so uh hashtag resistance is a larp anthology we're calling it free form short form larps kind of in the style of hashtag feminism we, we graciously stole their naming convention with their permission, but instead it, uh, all about the idea of what it means to resist oppression. So everything is centered around that concept, and that can be oppression really in, in any form. That's being edited by myself and Mari Brown from Learn LARP and Kat Jones, who is just amazing in general. They're all incredible. They're like, oh, they're so good. It's the first... Thing that's going to be actually published by Learn LARP as their publishing branch. It's the first thing that's going to be published by them. We're really interested in getting short form LARPs that can be played easily, picked up easily, don't need very much prep, and explore the idea of how to fight against oppression in constructive ways, which we feel is something that is really relevant at this in this day and age. It kind of came about by the fact that Mari and Kat had already been kind of thinking about doing this, and then Mari and I actually switched games in Golden Cobra this year to help each other, and we realized we were writing on this topic of specifically, in our case, resisting white supremacy in America. And so we kind of were like, wow. And we noticed some other Golden Cobra games, there were like four or five that were all on this theme. And so we thought, wow, this seems to be something that people are talking about and interested in and is a good form. LARP can be a good form to explore it. So we decided to to come up with this anthology and we'll see what happens. We're really excited to to read the, the submissions and, and hope some good stuff comes out of it. I'm sure it will. Yeah, I, I think definitely. I, I also had that 
that noticing uh, around the Golden Cobras last year that a lot of people, including yourself, were sort of on this theme. So I think that's great that you're capturing some of that enthusiasm and building on it. Yeah, we felt that it's kind of been floating in the zeitgeist, <laughs> I think, for like the last last year or so, especially in America, but kind of all around the world. So I'm really especially interested to see if we do, we, we are trying to promote it to an international audience. So I'm especially interested to see if we do get some, if it, it resonates with people outside of the kind of American mindset that, that all the editors are in. Yeah, totally. That's one of the cool things about the Hashtag Feminism Anthology, right? Yes. I love, that's what I loved about it is that it captured so many different perspectives. Yeah. I, there, there's something about the accessibility of the format of the anthology that I knew you're going for that really, um, because I know it's not like the need to resist just appeared. It's not like no. issues <laughs> that need to be resisted just appeared. But I do think that a lot of people, like the very kind of sudden and abrupt awareness that kind of appeared, <laughs> like that definitely did. And so a lot of people with like no background in direct action or no no background in political activism are are now like, fi- you know, filled with this enthusiasm to do something, but maybe don't don't know what the hell to do. Do, exactly. And we're hoping like, you know, I don't know what we'll get, but like when I looked at the Golden Cobra, there some things that didn't make it to the Golden Cobra, but people were working on, you know, it was everything from, you know, discussing the history of, socialist resistance in America in the early part of the 19th century in 20th century and kind of learning the history of direct action in America through like games like my game no fascist USA which was very much like how do we actually build do coalition building which was born out of a very direct experience of actually standing in between two groups of people yelling at each other like a group of leftists and a group of progressive democrats screaming at each other and like saying in the middle and be like no maybe we shouldn't do this let's talk to each other but like I think a lot of people don't really, yeah. I know I don't really know what I'm doing at all. So, and, and we're, we were really inspired by Jason Morningstar's game Winterhorn um, as well as kind of an example of how these things can be kind of used to teach how to resist. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you really hit on the two of what I would think of as like the branches of what people really need right now, which is the the historical, right? So many people coming into activism right now who just have zero. And, and when I say historical context, I don't mean, you know, ancient times, you, you know, but, but like the thread of, of people who've come before doing this stuff. But then also the immediate, like, how do we do this. What are we doing? <laughs> what are these practical things that just keep coming up? It seems like over and over and over and everywhere. How do we organize against a large force? I don't know what happens. And I think coalition building would be very, very, very important um, right now. So that's what we're doing. We're really excited. If you want to write stuff for it, come write stuff for it. We're really especially interested in anyone who is like a first time LARP writer. And that's one of the reasons we're probably going to be doing a second call. It took us a while. We're trying to get a mentor system in place that took us a little bit of a while to get kind of starting to spin. And so we want to be sure that people who might have been too nervous to to submit the first time, we're going to have that in place the second time. And hopefully people will be more willing to submit if they are a little bit nervous about their credentials or whatever, because we'd rather have fresh voices. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. My hands are just up in the air for some reason right now. How, uh, well, I mean, first of all, what would you say to people who are thinking of, oh, I kind of have this idea, but I don't know if they're unsure about submitting? One, I'd say definitely submit. We are we're hoping that we get a group of good group of mentors together. We've got connections. We're hoping that people say yes. Uh, if you want to mentor for us too, let us know. That would be great. But submit because we really, this, the group of editors that we've got especially are people who are pretty comfortable and really are care about bringing in, I mean, I really care about bringing new designers into the scene. I just started designing two years ago and I'm not very good. <laughs> two years is kind of a long time in LARP time, but hey, sorry I to interrupt. I guess it's a long sorry time in LARP time. I'm an <laughs> academic, so that's not a long time in academia. Right. Uh, they're like, have you been doing this for 20 years? Then you, you're not you not any good. But uh, so I would say, you know, even if you've just got like an idea and you're not really sure how to don't even you don't even just send us a full game if you just have an idea and you're like i really don't know where to go with this but these are some of my general ideas i would like to talk to a mentor about this send us those ideas and we can get you signed up 
and connect it with someone to hash it out, even at that stage. So you don't need to be like, I have a fully formed thing that is the most glorious thing ever and, and submit it to us. We're willing to work at different stages. Oh, that's super rad. That makes me really happy to hear. I definitely encourage all my sweet, sweet listeners to get in touch. And I mean, to spend some time like coming up with stuff and, oh, hey, there's a fun question. If people are maybe thinking they might sort of possibly have some ideas, but they're not sure how to get started or they're not sure what to do, how would you recommend that they like get those LARP design wheels turning? Oh, goodness. Um... (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. Um, No. So the way that I like to do it and how I kind of got, and I can only speak from personal experience. um, One, the great thing I would say is to just think about your own experience. Like, I know that's the classic writer thing, but what in your life are you seeing that there is a place that you feel kind of passionate about that you would want to explore? That's a really, that's how all of the things that I've been interested in have developed, have come out of, is seeing kind of a I think that I just need to express. The other thing is read LARPs. Like, I really, seriously, go out there and read LARPs. All of the Golden Cobra anthologies are out there. Those are very similar to the style of LARP we're looking for. Read hashtag feminism if you can. But Golden Cobra is great because it's free. <laughs> so you don't have to pay anything for it, which is awesome. Or like Lizzie Stark, her blog has a few really great beginning, like Nordic LARPs on it. Just go read, see what people or other people are doing, especially if you can't, I, that would I recommend if you can't find a group to LARP with, because I always think that the best way to learn how to design LARPs is to play LARPs and see what works and what doesn't work. But if you can't get there, because I recognize that not everyone has a community and those who do is, are actually pretty fortunate. If you can't do that, I would definitely read and, and just pull ideas from that. Oh, that sounds interesting. Oh, that's interesting. And don't worry about like, oh no, I had this idea and someone else totally did it. You can reinterpret it. It's okay. Like nothing is original in this world. That's fine. We're all retelling and putting our own spin on stories. Thank you for making that distinction. That's really important. You know, people even get like anticipatorily worried about that. Like, oh, what if someone already did this idea? Like, meh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. 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 I had to, I've had to do that because otherwise I realized that like pretty much all of my ideas are something that other people have done. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what if somebody already made a game with dice in it? What if somebody already made a game with elves in it? Like who cares who to the cares? moon? It's going to be your own awesome game with dice and elves and we're going to love it. Yeah. We're going to have such a good time. Think about how many made hacks of old school Dungeons and Dragons. And they're having a great time over there. Okay. They're having a great time. <laughs> having a darn good time. <laughs> um, thank you for that that burst of, of positivity and enthusiasm and encouragement. I hope that people take it seriously. I want to pick up on something that you said, which is if you have uh, a local community or if you have people around you who you can play with, that's the best thing because I want to ask you about your local community. Yay, I love my local community. Oh my gosh, I do too. (laughs) So I recently got to spend a weekend with your local LARP community uh, for their, what I think was the first weekend long festival of LARP. Yeah, International Festival of LARPs, because you went. That's right, the (laughs) International. And therefore we can claim Canada. I'm so honored to be the international guest. Um, so I had a wonderful time uh, and and I was just impressed on like multiple levels with not only with the event, which I, I know you and Jason kind of co-ran and co-organized, um, but also just like at the community that you have crafted, which I know is a very serious and very like long-term undertaking. So to give you a bit of background, a lot of people email me and they ask, okay, this LARP thing sounds cool that you talk about all the time. How do I get into it? And when it comes to the kinds of LARPs that I find fun, because there's there's probably a buffer LARP near you. There's probably a vampire group. Yep, there are both of those. Yeah, yeah and you can totally go, go and find them. And they're usually pretty well organized and they meet consistently. So go and do that. But if you want to play the kind of games that I talk about on the show, you should either go to a certain con and you know, tell me where you live and I'll tell you where the nearest one is. That's a sometimes a huge investment of money and it feels like a gigantic risk and can be a huge investment of time as well. Um, but the other option is, which I give people, is start running them yourself. 
because it's not that hard to facilitate uh, most of the games that I really like. You know, it comes with instructions. Uh, certainly, if you're running tabletop role-playing games, you can do it. You can 100% do it, no problem. I find it often easier. <laughs> oh my gosh, I find it so much easier. There's a lot, there's a lot less, like, advanced reading. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. I, I'm so much easier to me. Yeah, me too. I f- I'm way more comfortable, um, generally speaking. I'm still actually terrified facilitating LARPs. Are you still terrified facilitating LARPs? I get nervous, um, but at this point, I have facilitated so many that I'm not. I actually get far more nervous doing facilitating tabletop, but my group is also really crazy. So we have a professional author, well-known professional author, two professional well-known game designers and a professional game journalist and i'm just like hi i'm a librarian and you guys are all super creative and i'm deeply intimidated no and they're wonderful and they're like the best group ever and i've been playing with them for three years but like i'm still like (laughs) every time i run a game for them that's that's me with like any humans though i'm like oh my gosh you're so amazing yeah that's pretty much me with most people too (laughs) Um, so i'm just always like you're so cool so, but yeah, so, but LARP, I'm not, I find it, I feel like maybe because there's more instructions or something like, and it's a shorter thing and it's like going to be a one shot for all the kinds of games that I like to run. Right. So it's like, this will, this will be over even if it's a complete disaster. Exactly. If it's a total disaster, it will be done in probably four hours <laughs> at max. And if it's really bad, we just end. cut it right in the middle. That's it. We're done. Yeah. I'm just going to call cut. Yeah. Cut, cut your losses. But I think actually it may be a matter of experience. Like if you just do it enough times, you become more comfortable with it. Wow, what a novel concept. No one's ever thought of this before. <laughs> <laughs> no, the first time I ran, my, when I ran my first LARP at my local group, I was super nervous to run it. Definitely. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was Limbo. Oh, cool. That's a great first LARP. Yeah, which is a wonderful LARP. Can you tell our audience? Uh, this this is a LARP that's available in the LARPs from the Factory collection, which I think I can probably link to, but uh, tell us what the game's about. Oh, Limbo is such a good game. It is a game about you are and you and like 10 other people, 12 other people, all are wandering in the afterlife. You have all just died and you are waiting in Limbo to find out where you go in the afterlife. And there are a collection of tickets and the conductor, who is the person who runs the game, comes with selections of tickets and you have to work with the other people to figure out, the, the rule is the first person who shouts they want it gets the ticket. But you don't really know how many tickets there are, where they all go to. And so it's a game about kind of figuring out where where would you be happy to end up and what do you want and after you died and coming to peace with that and also trading tickets. But it, it's a beautiful, it sounds kind of silly, but it's actually an incredibly powerful and beautiful game. All kind of about stillness and waiting and punctuated by frantic activity. It just, it flows beautifully. And it was the first game I ever ran, like in that style. I would highly, it's a great first LARP because you basically play kind of, you can play variations of yourself. So it's, it works super well. Yeah. And uh, so as a facilitator too, you're kind of just stepping in to like give information and give tickets and then you kind of step back. You step back. Yep. So that's kind of nice. <laughs> and I got to wear a conductor's hat, which was really exciting. It, it was, thank you, Jason Morningstar, for your amazing collection of hats. For your general hat-based, yeah. <laughs> hat, hat, hat-based horde. <laughs> So yeah, so that's a great first LARP. There are so many first LARPs that I recommend, you know, listeners get in touch with me, I'll recommend you a good first LARP. But uh, but really, when you're, you know, when I'm telling someone to, you know, run a LARP for your friends, that's starting a LARP community. And gosh, it just makes me wish that we had more resources and more guidance for cultivating a really good community of play. So I went and hung out with you and your super cool community of play that is thriving. And it's not gigantic. It's not massive. But it's a healthy, thriving community that had many things about it that I liked and admired. So, okay. So, I thought, okay, I've got to head Kate on. And we have to talk about how did this happen and how do they keep it happening. Um, so, what what can you tell me about the, the founding and the history of your LARP community? So, Jason Morningstar and I had been playing tabletop together for a while. And 
I had actually started LARPing in this freeform style, but we didn't actually know it was called the freeform style during college. We made up our own games and played them. And I wanted to get back to it. And I went to a, a thing called, uh, and I'd been reading a bunch of how the community was going, but I was like, oh, I don't know anyone who around here would want to play, except for Jason. And so we both went to this thing called New World Magiscola for the fourth run of it. So in the first season. And there we met a large amount of really awesome people from North, a bunch of cool people from North Carolina. Most of them who were actually were in, this was their first of this style, this kind of more collaborative style of LARP who had come actually from the Boffer communities. And. Oh, just quick note for people who are not LARPers. Boffers means. Boffer means that you are going, it's, it's a much, it's a very heavily often rules focused. There's combat with Boffer weapons, which are usually foam based weapons. Usually the communities that I'm talking about both have regular games that meet for a one weekend a month for about seven months out of the year, seven, eight months. So long running, like one of the games has been running for 30 years. Yeah, wild, um, wildness. That's yeah. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> and there have been people who have been playing that whole time. So we're like, but there are people here who are actually kind of interested in this. So we just kind of set up a, what Jason and I did was like, we're going to try to do this. We're going to try to pull together a group of people and see what happens. We looked at the history. Um, so as we were saying, we were paying attention to the history of communities that have gone before us. We knew a few in uh, the United States and, and abroad, and we reached out to them and asked like, hey, how did you run this? What kind of issues did you run into? Could you share with us your founding documents? And, and looked over those and kind of pulled what we thought was good and threw away a lot of stuff that we didn't think was good. Um, we, for example, made a very conscious decision that we wanted to make it all about play and, and a group of people getting together. We didn't want to add too much cruft or bureaucracy or strange like our mission statement is to like change the world through I mean I want to change the world through the power of LARP but we did not make that like the the ultimate goal of this group so we tried to keep it very streamlined that focus is really interesting to me so there's no like this monthly discussion groups or meetup groups or potlucks or whatever these kind of like community associated things you folks just have like here's the game for this month or here are the games for this month. Yeah, here are the games for this month. And we kind of put the potluck or whatever social in the middle of the games. So we always make sure to have an afternoon game and an evening game. And then in between, everyone goes get and gets dinner together. Oh, nice. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, so people don't have to do separate things or whatever. And it's great because people can come to the game, get involved in the, the situation right away. Then we all go to dinner and we can have something to talk about because we all just played this game or a few games together. And then we move on to the next one. And it's, yeah, it's a really nice way to break up the day and also bring in that social. And that was actually taken from what something that Jason and I, Jason's group that I joined and Tabletop did, which is we are always very, very conscious that we start game at seven, but we have dinner at 6.30 together before we do the tabletop because that has helped create that community in that small tabletop game. And so I think that the having that period of socialization and then often people go and get drinks afterwards as well or hang out or whatever. Yeah, that really helped. The other thing that we did was we made the number one rule, which I think that most groups do, but we're really super, super committed to it, which is just that people are more important than games ever always. And this actually came out of like, I was like, Jason, if we do this, like that's got to be like our slogan. <laughs> I, I had some, unfortunately bad, ex some friends had some very bad experiences in some other LARP groups in which that didn't happen, that the game became more important than people and their emotional health and things like that. And so because of that, we've been super intentional about emphasizing that and really like living by it. So like if someone is upset or anything like that, that, that person is fine to leave and we will let them do what they need to do, but we will never, ever hold any of that against them. Like if a game needs to stop, a game needs to stop. And it, that's, ha I mean, we've had that happen, but we've tried to kind of cultivate that community that 
people don't feel ashamed of the fact that that happened. Yeah, totally. And they don't feel like like it's a tough choice between, oh, that person seems upset, but like, mm, do, do I want to like interrupt that? I, I think it's just a matter of making, how do we make that choice like as easy as possible? Right. And the, the correct thing is always that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That it's just like, just do that. Always do that. I really saw the evidence of that while I was there. Like I just, in a, in a way that's like kind of hard to pinpoint actually, just like, man, these are people who care about each other. Like these are people who care about me and they care about each other. And I'm wondering like practically, how do you, how do you bring that about? How do you make it so that is the case? Cause I can tell you for sure that like that def- certainly felt like that was the case. So I think that one of the things that we've done is we have, I admit we have, we vet, I mean, it sounds terrible, but we vetted <laughs> um, people who come into the community. So we, we do make sure that we love the community to grow and we are really excited when new people come. But most of the people who have entered our community are not people that Jason, not, are not always people that Jason and I know, for sure. Like, but they're people that other members of the community know and can say, I, I can vouch that this person will be able to respect people. So that's one of the ways that we've kept that. We've intentionally started small with a group of like 10 or I think it was about 20 people that we really trusted and kind of built that as a core and then expanded out. So I think that based on because of that, we have that core and they all kind of reinforce that behavior and show that behavior. And then people see that and pick up on that and go, oh, that's what's that's what's expected. That's the norm. Everyone mirrors that norm. So that's really important for us is that we started with that community of trust and then built out. I think the other thing is we are really proactive if we find anyone, I I like to think we are, if we do find anyone who is kind of going against that community of trust. And, you know, we're not going to shame them. We're very proactive if if we're noticing that, that someone's doing that, of taking them aside and speaking to them and explaining where we're coming from and, you know, letting them know, like, if this isn't for you, that's fine. We, we don't try to make it for everyone, I guess. Like, we want it to be for everyone, but if you're not willing to care for each other and respect other people, then it's, I know that sounds mean, but like, then it's not, that's not, this is not the community for you. <laughs> so that's kind of how we've done it. But I think based, creating that like core kernel of people who deeply care about each other and then expanding out and not feeling like we needed to rush into having a huge group and get all the people allowed us to kind of build that. We also, of course, say safety stuff before every game doors always, which is really, really important to us. Like I've seen a lot of people like do safety stuff before at the very beginning of stuff, but we, we have core rules, which obviously people are more important. The game is the number one one, but the door is always open. You really can leave at any time. It's okay. We won't hate you. We swear. You will not ruin anyone's time. Things like we use cut and largo, which are very standard kind of LARP safety techniques to reduce intensity. And uh, I'm trying to remember. I think those are our big three kind of like key ones, but we make sure that those are reinforced in front of every game. And we've had lots of people who are actually relatively new to LARP and new to this style come to us and say, like, because of these techniques, I felt safe. I felt like I could actually engage with people and I could drop boundaries a lot better than I felt, even with strangers. Like, I could be much more genuinely myself uh, or what my character or whatever, but take more risks and go more deeply. Yeah, exactly. Engage with stuff that maybe I wouldn't if these were not in place. If these were not in place, exactly. I feel a little bit sometimes silly repeating these rules ad nauseum to people like I know you've already heard this but but in my experience it's a challenging thing to remember to do and also I feel like by saying that all the time we actually people kind of play with that in their minds and don't actually have to use it as much so I mean we've seen a lot of people use the doors always open to to exit like definitely but we've not seen a huge amount of like the need to yell cut so we haven't had anyone go go to that level. Right. I think stuff like that has ritual value. It does. Don't talk. To, oh, God, don't get me started on ritual. I was a religious studies major. Ritual is my jam. Love it so much. Anyway. <laughs> oh, 
whole other podcast, Kate talking about ritual. Yay, part two. Part two. Part two. <laughs> so you mentioned that like there have been instances where, you know, you've had to just take people aside and let them know what's up and address maybe specific behaviors. Are there other challenges that you can identify that have come up? So one of the things that's a challenge for us, um, so yeah, there's that, just like there's been some boring logistical challenges. So the way we run it is very often very flexible. So Jason or myself, or actually we're working really hard to get other people in our groups now. So Jason and I ran most of the LARPs for the first few months, but we're working really, we kind of, one of the things we also really understood from talking to other people who've run communities like this in the past is you have to build capacity. You have to get other people who can do organization and run things, or you will burn out really fast. So we've been working to bring other people in to run. But what we do is we tend to be very kind of loosey-goosey in that we're like, we have all of these games we could run. We don't really know what we're going to run. Come show up and we'll figure it out. Which is great because then we can really calibrate to the mood of the people who are there. And that's been really actually very useful because like we aren't like, we're going to play this super serious game and then people come and are like, actually, I've had a really bad day and I people you can we can we can adapt to that right with people are more important than the game we can adapt and say oh never mind we're not going to play that we're going to play something much lighter but because of that we've had a lot of trouble pinning down how many people are actually going to show up which leaves me and jason going like we have 12 larps prepared because we could have anyone between five people and 20 and so that's kind of like really exciting juggling act so we kind of pay for that flexibility in in uncertainty and we're we're struggling to figure out exactly how to get that get that more nailed down get people to be more firm on their commitments and not just tell us maybes on the, the glorious maybe on facebook yeah <laughs> maybe culture <laughs> i don't want to say no i don't want to offend you but i'm not really going to come so we basically just started to treat maybes as no's and if they show up woohoo so that's been a struggle so I, I guess that the other thing then I would say, and actually I will say that we did we haven't had to use this, but um, Jason and I did work on um, one of the first things we did was write a consent code of conduct and posted it on our, our Facebook page, which is the main way we talk with people. And basically that says that, um, yeah, as I said, luckily we haven't had to use it, but it's been really nice that it's there. And it, it says basically that like Jason and I are the final arbiters of if you get thrown out or not. And we reserve, we reserve the right to be dictators. And we did this because we have seen so many that doesn't exist. One, we wanted people to be able to just blame us. If they're mad at someone, just blame us. Don't, don't blame the rest of the community. Also, we wanted to, we've seen a lot of like internal struggle in communities in which people like take sides and it's a giant mess and there's like a, there are like votes or things like that about if a person should be thrown out or not and we just wanted it to be a much kind of cleaner decision and we recognize that like this might be unfair but we also realize that we're not we, we like it to be open and allow a lot of people to be participate and and run things and things like that but also to to have that kind of final like the buck stops here line i guess the other thing is that what I kind of mentioned is we've been really trying to, you know, start out small and build capacity and get people involved in running games. You know, recognize that you probably will have to run games for the first few months. That That's, you will, that no one, people are not going to volunteer. That's fine. But as people become more comfortable, try to pull them in, encourage them to run games, sit down with them if they're nervous to talk about it beforehand. We have been really successful I think relatively successful I think it helped that I was a first-time LARP runner and I just jumped into it so I'm like hey I'm doing this crazy thing you can too but like we've had at least one two like four other four people out of our core group run no five five people out of our kind of main group run their first LARP of this style this freeform style for our group and now they regularly run them we actually had a LARP shack a few months ago, sorry, that's the name of the group, in, I think it was, that's right, it was November. It was November, and I couldn't make it because I was going crazy with work, 
and Jason couldn't make it because he was out of town, and the blurb shock happened anyway. Oh, that is the ultimate test, isn't it? Yes, it happened anyway. People showed up and played games, and it went great, and they didn't need us. And it was so great (laughs) that we had enough of a community there that they're like, nope, we're going to do it anyway. See you guys later. And so I think that like, that's the dream. But the way we did that is by like building that really encouraging people to take, like we actually, um, what Jason and I did was created a spreadsheet of free LARPs. What we, we like, we went through and we found, made a Google spreadsheet of free LARPs in this style that we thought were cool throughout the internet and then we also like also had LARPs that we owned that we put descriptions of and said hey this is what it's about if you want to run it come let us know we will gladly lend it to you and we also rated all of those LARPs by tier we followed the hashtag feminism rating of teardrops um, which is one teardrop is pretty light and fluffy and it goes all the way up to five teardrops which is really prepare prepare yourself prepare yourself oh my gosh let's just put it this way a game about everyone dying alone in space is only for teardrops yes (laughs) so but so we did that and we shared that with the group and that also made it so much because a lot of people were like where do i find these things you want me to run something where do i find them and by able to by like collating all those materials and being like here's a spreadsheet you can go click on all of these links. Ask us about other ones. It made it really e- much easier for people to say, oh, I want to run this one. And we regularly add to it. So I guess both Jason and I are like library, like got like information science and library science degrees. So like this is just where our brains go. <laughs> and organize information. Let's do it. That's helpful, turns out. Yeah, very helpful. But so I would highly recommend doing something like that. And uh, I guess, you know, if, if people really are interested, we can, Jason and I can share our spreadsheet. <laughs> okay, sweet. I was going to ask you about that and I was going to be like, oh, oh, I don't I hope she says yes. We have this or I can clean up the things that are just ask Kate or ask Jason. <laughs> um, but things that are not that, I can, I can, I can share that. Okay, cool. I would love to share that with my listeners. I think that would be really helpful for people. That was a bunch of information. That is great. You know what? Take notes listeners and uh, just pause and rewind, so to speak. Uh, oh, my last question about LARP Shack. How did you find that space? Like what a great space that that was. <laughs> it was so perfect. How do people, I mean, what what advice would you have for people who are like, okay, but where? Yeah, right. Okay, but where is a huge, huge question. So admitted, admitting here, something here, we were very lucky. Jason's brother Scott works there so but they're actually so this is kind of a general thing so what this space is is it's a space that but we're not the only group it's not just because like his brother works there we're not the only group who uses the space so this is a group that is we found out is dedicated to kind of wants to rent their space out to community it's a technology company startup that wants to rent out its space during the weekends when they're not using it to community organizations that they find valuable. And so Jason and I put together actually a pretty much a grant application of please let us use this space. This is what LARP Shack is. This is how it will, what it does for like community building. And I think they're really, that our group was really focused, that group is really focused on like increasing women's leadership. But so like there are spaces out there in cities. Yeah. And like lots of people have like a brother who who works in a fancy office or like, you know, someone who goes to is a part of whatever, whatever association or. Or like we actually found out from if we hadn't gotten that space, we found from another friend, he works at a co-working space and they let you rent out, like not even rent out, but basically if you're a person's a member, have that space for whatever they want for at least four hours a week. Okay, that's like totally time to run a game. Yeah, exactly. So it's like there there are those, you know, look at like companies or things like that that are actually wanting to do more engagement with the community. You might need to maybe phrase LARP, not as LARP, and try to put it in a way that people can maybe understand a bit more because 
sometimes that has not the greatest connotations, which is sad, and I don't like that, but that's the case. So we phrased it as, I think, improvisatory experiential theater. Oh, boy. Nice. Real yeah. nice. Yep. I'm like, I feel like that still explains it. So <laughs> we felt like that still captured our essence. Uh, but look out for spaces like that, is what I'd say. And I'd also say, wow, a ton of LARPs, if you have, I mean, we have a really nice space, but if you have a, a house, if you have a decent sized apartment, you can run a game there. Most of these games don't require a huge amount of space. A lot of them require like a table and some chairs. And that's about it. So you really can be like, run these games anywhere. for uh, not, not all of them, but a lot of them to get started. So that that is, I, I wouldn't say like, if you don't have a space, you're doomed. Like a fancy space. It's nice, but you can get started without that. Okay, awesome. Good. That's like a good place to start because I also, I, I think maybe people overestimate the barrier to entry when it comes to this stuff. Either they think they need expertise or they think that they need materials or space that they don't need. And you can grow into those things, but a couple pals and a half decent sized living room and you would be surprised. Yep. I, I know a group of people who are uh, starting a thing in Maine because a bunch of them lived in Portland, Maine. And yeah, I think they just run it. They don't have a space. They just run it out of one of the people's houses. They're hoping to get a space, but at the moment, that is what they're doing. It seems to be working well for them. Can I ask you about one last thing, which I am like doing a little bounce of excitement about? So you did some kind of presentation workshop thing where you use LARP and improv techniques to yes. teach librarians yes. to overcome their fear of public speaking. Please yes. tell me everything. Everything. <laughs> Go. I, I have no articulate questions to ask about this. Just, just hit me with it. Okay. So my friend, Amanda, who works at Appalachian, not Appalachian State, University of North Carolina, Asheville, and I, uh, went to a presentation at another library conference that was supposed to be about like using theater and improvisatory technique improvisatory techniques to be a better teacher and we were both like mm, this is just garbage we can do better <laughs> and so we put yeah put together a workshop for a conference in North Carolina uh, where I'm from which we put together. So Amanda has a lot of background in improv. She had done long sketch form comedy throughout college and a little bit after. And I, you know, have my LARP background. And so um, we kind of ran people through this workshop in which uh, it was based on the idea of a conversation that we had about the importance of, for us, having a public speaking persona, which is kind of this person or character that I'm currently using right now that you slip into when you have to do a presentation or it's, it's like a mannerism and, a, and a, a way of thinking and things like that. And so it's very similar to the idea also of a teacher persona, which is something in education in which you um, kind of create almost these attributes for how you want to teach and then work to fulfill those and become a different person when you teach. So um, we kind of ran with that idea and you know, started people off with some warm-ups and things like that. And then we worked on um, flexibility in, in teaching and public speaking and how you will always be surprised um, by bringing in uh, yes-ands. Um, so had people work through how to build on a scenario or build on basically, in our case, random questions <laughs> that were thrown to them on a topic with yes-and and build a story around that. And then from that, we actually, you know, kind of warm-ups like that. We had people actually make, I, I paste the character sheets on Limbo, the game I talked about earlier, because I loved it so much of how they, that game has, this is how I feel on a ranking. This is how my character feels on a ranking of attributes. And so I had people identify how they felt, what they felt their strengths were, like give their strengths with public speaking and different aspects of that a numerical rating. And then also had their public speaking persona get a numerical rating. 
um, to kind of show where do they want to improve. I also let everyone choose a theme song because to me, themes, I've, that's how I make all my characters is they need a theme song. So every character I have, like if I, I know I'm really into them, if I've got a theme song for them, it's, I don't know. It's just like, I learned it to do it while I was acting when I did acting and that's just stuck. But so we let them do that. And then we kind of had them using those characters that they built. We had them engage in uh, other activities as role-playing as those characters. So we had them each give a two minute speech as those characters and then pull in yes some of the uh, yes and materials for that to have the other characters ask them questions as their characters and and build these scenarios in which people were public speaking as their characters um, that they had created and then at the end we played all of their theme songs on a spotify playlist (laughs) so that was kind of what we did and it was like amazingly we we were like this is just this little thing that we're doing but we think it'll be fun and we hope it works and their response was incredible like we got so much feedback like this was the best thing that I went to in this entire conference we had numerous people ask us to please come and do it for them at their libraries so we're we're taking the show on the road (laughs) (laughs) around North Carolina and and we'll see what what happens from there but we just felt, yeah, it was, it was, it, it hit people, people, you know, we didn't call it LARP again, but people were in bo- creating and embodying and live acting as characters and scenarios. Yeah. So that's, it, mm, it that's was, a LARPing. It was LARP. They were LARPing. We just snuck it up on them again. Ha ha ha. And they had such a great, like, people just absolutely loved it. Yeah. Well, I'm not surprised. You sent, you sent me the deck that uh, you used and... I love that even for this, you know, just set of activities that is pretty light and, you know, maybe it's not even really a LARP, we're not sure, you still listed all of the sort of, you know, what I would think of as like core safety mechanics. Yep. Yep. And you did it with cute animal pictures. So like big points. That makes everything better. That's a that's another thing about me. I am that much of a weirdo that like I have a thing in whichever I make a slide deck for a presentation, it is going to be themed around animals and a different type of cute animals. This happened to be dogs, but we realized that this was a situation that even though it seemed light, fluffy, this is a situation in which we had people who were scared of public speaking. And scared of, of even putting themselves out there in like, we didn't make anyone get in front of the entire audience. Everything was done in small groups. Even for that, it was very nerve wracking. And so we really wanted to make sure that people realize that, you know, this is something unusual that you wouldn't do at a normal library conference normally. And you, you can leave. You can say no. That's fine. You can just duck out or pass. Yeah, exactly. And all of those things are part of doing it, not breaking it. So were you in your persona when you were putting on this workshop? A hundred percent. It's it's now so much of a part of me. Like I kind of developed it as at forensics. I did, I was a total, again, I was an acting kid and all that stuff. And I kind of just developed it. And now it's kind of just part of me. It's just a lot more confident. Kate. I th- you know, I think we all have different aspects of ourselves that that appear in different times anyway you know i I just like to yeah call them characters but they're really all part of all part of us definitely i i think i in many ways you know larp is just like an exaggeration of that you know yes exactly it's just making it well I, i was listening to one of your more recent podcasts about emancipatory bleed which was amazing and um it's it's pretty much that Honestly, it's like recognizing that your character can do it, that you, then you can do it. Like you could do it in this small situation as this character. You can totally yeah, do it. Yeah, yourself is so much, so much greater than you realize. Oh, yay. LARP. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> I will preach its gospel. Kate, thank you so much for joining me. I'm. Well, thank you so much for asking me to join. I'm really super honored. Oh, cool. That you asked yay. me. Because like. This is one of my favorite podcasts. Oh, thank you. And I asked you on like such short notice and I was like, let's do this. Like, let's jump (laughs) into this. And you're like, right away. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Let's go. Which is, I think, how I should just always do this. It feels terrific. Yeah. Is there, uh, before we kind of wrap up, um, you mentioned the Resistance Anthology. Yeah, you mentioned that 
uh, people who are relatively local to you, right? North Carolina folks should totally. North Carolina folks. Yeah. Uh, Facebook, we're called LARP Shack, like, like a shack, S-H-A-C-K. Yes, it's like Love Shack. Uh, no, Jason did not realize this. When he <laughs> that makes it so good. It's so good. <laughs> I was also going to say people local to you should hire you to do a cool LARP and improv techniques for public speaking workshop. I would I would be very glad to do this. I've, I, I would love to do this. But yeah, and come come join us. And our, you could just search for LARP Shack on Facebook and it will ask you to know, like, it's it's a closed group. So we'll have to, we might ask you a question or two being like, how did you find out about us? <laughs> who, the, who the heck do you think you are, sir? Who are you? Sir. But then you could be just like, backstory podcast and i live in the area and i want to try this cool stuff okay cool i would i would be so delighted if that actually happened by the way i would be too i would be really excited like just because of yeah that would be really cool okay is there anything else that you want to uh mention is there anywhere where my listeners can like keep up with you and what you're doing oh goodness i guess i uh tweet at up sporadically but i'm trying to get better at at library underscore kate that is that is my Twitter handle. If you if you want to follow me, and I'll post about my gaming activities. I also do have an Instagram at Kate Period Likes Period Games, in which I also take lots of fun pictures of all of the LARPs and games that I do. Oh, sweet, awesome, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, that those are kind of the the main the main places you can you can find me talking about my game stuff. Sweet. You are also a very awesome game designer. We didn't really get a chance to talk about Measured in Cups or. Uh, Oh, what's the one about the ghost? What's the one about the... Oh my gosh. Watch me blank on the name of my of own game. Of your own game. I'm That's so fine. cool. It'll be, in the sh- it'll be in the show notes. Uh, Kate is far too prolific to, on to remember On the other side. Petty things. Oh, the, on the it. other side, yes. Um, but I'll, I'll link to those because I do think that they're, they're quite lovely. Yeah, th- again, thank you. This was totally rad. Thank you. This was great. Yeah, have a beautiful evening. You too. <laughs> have a great night. Thanks again to Kate for joining me, and as always, thank you for listening. If you have thoughts on today's episode, you can email me at backstorypodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Backstorycast. Backstory is part of the OneShot Podcast Network. You can go to oneshotpodcast.com and find more great shows like Design Doc. On Design Doc, you can join hosts Hannah Schaefer and Evan Rowland as they redesign their first role-playing game. It's an experiment in public participatory analog game design. It's fun, it's messy, and you're invited along for the ride. Again, that's oneshotpodcast.com. Music for Backstory is provided by Ujiko. The track is called Thinking of You, and you can hear more at soundcloud.com slash U-J-I-C-O. Check them out on Spotify, YouTube, and lots of other places too. Talk to you later, friends.